Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us today. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the miracle of sending your Son to earth to show us the way. Thank you for the unexpected way in which Jesus entered the world, demonstrating your love for all people, from lowly shepherds in the field to anyone anywhere in the world you created. You are the light of the world, and we pray that your light will shine brightly in us and through us as part of the Christ Church family. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. The Christmas Eve services here were spectacular. I've entitled today's message, God's Game Plan. So, so what is a game plan? In sports, it's a well-thought-out, well-coordinated plan for the game. It's created by the coaches and given to the players so that everyone is on the same page working as a team to accomplish the goal. Each player and each coach has an assignment in the game plan so the team, working in concert with one another, can achieve the goal of winning the game. The Patriots, a great example of how this successful game plan works. I spent 50 years behind a microphone talking about sports. Can you imagine? Not talking about matters of life and death, although when you come to think of it, if you're a Patriots fan or if you're a Red Sox fan or a Bruins fan or a Celts fan, it might be a matter of life and death. Or there's URI and PC. Wait a minute, I'm talking sports again. Let's move on. I always felt like I was working in the toy department. Sports does not change the direction of the world. It doesn't change history or societies, although it can encourage or discourage, it can give us temporary joy, which will last until the next game, or perhaps the next season if you've had great success. Sports can only take us so far, and then we have to start over again. The pandemic has us saying, wait until next year. We have been saying, once we get beyond this, we'll get back to normal and get back to our lives. That sounded great until the Delta virus came along, and now the Omicron. Who knows what's next down the pipeline? This all can weigh on us and work to discourage us. It can interrupt the family's game plan, interrupt the community's game plan, interrupt the world's game plan. But there's good news. This has not interrupted God's game plan. His plan is perfect. And here's the amazing thing. His, plan, his game plan is executed by imperfect people. From Adam and Eve, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, to Solomon, to Jeremiah, Daniel, and all the way down to the crowning jewel, the arrival of Jesus. God orchestrated a perfect plan at the perfect time to allow imperfect people like us to know our creator. Jesus came at a time when one person had to tell another person the good news. There was no mass media. Person to person is still the most effective way of sharing the gospel. We personally tell someone else what God has done for us, and we uh, allow them to share their story with someone else, and it's passed on and on and on. Christmas is the season for lights. For Christians, it's the season of light because we focus on the light of the world, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John 1.5 in the NIV says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When we say yes to Jesus, we are now part of the light that he brought into the world. We are now standing in the light of eternity. 
As we serve God of the universe and the Lord of our lives, everything we do in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit brings light pushing back the darkness here on earth. No matter what happens as Christians, we are living in the light. Now hear this. The Lord has given us the tools to withstand the darkness. All we have to do is use them. Use them. I've recently been going through a very challenging time in my own life, some brokenness in my family. After I went through the stage of beating myself up, wondering why I couldn't find a solution to this or come up with something to bring everybody together, I finally got to the point where, Lord, I am just out of options. I'm frustrated. I need to turn this over to you. That's what I should have done in the first time. Still no solution, but I am finding that there is, there is peace and there is, there is encouragement on this path. At our Tuesday night prayer service on Zoom, I asked for prayer. And as I laid out my prayer request, several other people in the group also said, I'm facing the same situation. Brokenness somewhere in our family. It's not heaven yet. But here's the good news. Our hope is not based on this world. Matthew 1.23 says the virgin will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is present with us here now by the Holy Spirit. Over the course of my walk with the Lord, I know that uh, hardships will come and boy, do they. I can always count on him. There is nothing we are going through that he doesn't already know. And that means he knows what we need and the perfect timing of when we need it, if we are going to get it at all. He may have something else in mind for us. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be strong, and wait on the Lord. Boy, is that waiting hard. We need patience. Bulletin, I'm not good with patience. The Lord is always working on our rough edges. Mine is patience. I still urge him to hurry up, but I'm trying to get on his timetable, slowing down, being patient. In the early 70s, when I was in college, there was a popular word being tossed around called serendipity, meaning go with the flow. The dictionary defines serendipity as development of chance in a beneficial way. If you're discouraged and going through a difficult time, friends, serendipity does not cut it. We could be waiting for the rest of our lives for so-called circumstances to come together in a beneficial way. No, we need God the Father, the author of our faith and the creator of our lives. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, it doesn't take him long to count the hair on my head these days. He already knows the detail of all of our issues, all of our problems, all of our lives. So instead of casting our fate to the wind in serendipity, ask God, our creator. We need a battle plan, not just any plan. We need God's battle plan. We have an adversary out there waiting to interfere with our lives. The closer you grow to God, the greater the temptation, the greater the distraction that the evil one is trying to put on you. First of all, we need prayer and lots of it. Problems do wonders for the prayer life. <laughs> Some people say, at least we can pray, kind of a last resort. If all else fails, pray. Well, prayer is the first place that we should go. And be honest with God. 
After all, he already knows what all the issues are. Tell him what's on your heart. Nothing will surprise him. The Bible says the Lord wants to hear from us, and he wants to hear from us in honesty. Prayer is not a problem for me. I'm constantly praying when I'm at home, when I'm in my car, standing in line at night. There, the Psalm 63, 6 says, I think of you through the watches of the night. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I start praying. Second, we need the scriptures. We need to know God's track record. We need to know his plans for us. In times of discouragement, I look for verses that remind me of his faithfulness. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Psalm 34 is always a, a go-to place for me. It speaks, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. There's that word again. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. And Psalm 86, 6, will you not revive us again that your people will rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love. O Lord, grant us your salvation. So read the word. Number three, when I am experiencing discouragement, it's easy for my life to get out of rhythm. I need to be back in rhythm, and for me, that means starting my day with God in my devotions. Interruptions are always knocking on the door. If I'm not careful, I can go a couple of days without starting my day with God, and then I wonder why I'm so frazzled. I have devotionals that I use, but two of the favorite are Jesus Calling and Home Altar, which is the covenant devotional. Now, I handed out the Jesus Calling to my small group, and one of the women said, I can't believe what this book has done for me. It's like Jesus is talking to me. She said, I had been discouraged, and it seemed like the words that I read were directed at me. And she said, that wasn't just one day. That was every day that she read the book for the rest of the week. The Word of God can do that. And a fourth thing I must do is remain faithful in my attendance. You know, it's strange. When you start to get discouraged, when you start to feel depressed, you pull back from the very thing you need. And so you stop going places. You stay in your house. You stay in your apartment. Human nature says that uh, I, I need to withdraw. But that's the evil one's ploy to disconnect you from the body of Christ. Remember, the Lord made you and knows how to minister to you. He knows what you need. He is the great physician. I cannot heal myself I cannot even encourage myself. That must come from the supernatural power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I need to be reading the Word. I need to be praying. I need to be back in my routine. And finally, I need to be serving. By serving, I take the attention off myself and focus on someone else that God has made. There is power in that. Jesus gave us the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you want to find encouragement, serve someone else. When you do that, God will use you in ways that you cannot imagine. That will help you feel like you're making a difference in this world because you are. God is using you to bring light into the darkness. The evil one wants to make you feel insignificant. You might ask, 
What can I do that's really gonna make any kind of difference in the world? About 20 years ago, a woman in our church had a husband who was in prison. I felt a tug on my heart and started to write him letters of encouragement. When he was released, I mentored another man who had once attended our congregation. He was in prison for just a short time. When he was released, I asked the chaplain for someone else I might be able to encourage. She said, I have someone in maximum security. If you want intimidation, go into that building. It was built in 1878, and it still looks like 1878. Fortunately, after a few years in Max, Kenny was moved into medium security. We've been meeting for about 10 years now. I encourage him, and he encourages me. He found Christ in prison in 2011 when he saw a notice on the bulletin board that said the Rhode Island Men of Hope were offering a life skills course. That is God's specialty. Kenny has been on fire ever since. Two weeks ago, I visited Kenny, and he told me about other inmates stopping him throughout the day, asking him to pray for them. Kenny is able to call from the prison phone, and one day he called me about an encounter he had on a van when he was taking the van over to a hearing. A young woman was crying uncontrollably, and he went over to her and asked if he could help. She said she had been arrested with two of her friends for breaking and entering. Kenny is always ready to share the gospel and he tried to encourage her. Then he called me and asked if I might have a couple of women in the church, a couple of prayer warriors, uh, pray for her, and if I might be able to give her some money that she could, uh, in prison, do her laundry and maybe have some stamps to be able to send some letters. I called three of our women prayer warriors. They're all stars. I went to the prison finance office, put a little money in her account so that she would have something to pay for her laundry, stamps, whatever. Then she sent me this letter just this week. Dear friends, I was hoping to share now how grateful I am for you writing words of encouragement from the Bible and yourselves. I believe that this was part of the path that God had for me, part of his purpose, that you would be involved. I used your money for necessities, such as better sneakers. So happy because of you all. Girls around here have been helping me, letting me borrow sneakers, but to finally have my own, have me dancing in my cell. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, Sadie. I have uh, three women who are writing to her. If you would like to join the effort, I'd be happy to get you the address. Here's the point. By working to encourage Kenny, we are actually part of the, the Lord's effort to encourage men and women in prison to find him, those who need salvation, those who need hope, those who need the Lord. By serving one inmate, God has multiplied the harvest and brought other inmates to him. That's what you do every time you share the story of Jesus with someone. When you serve someone, you're serving the Lord. Your encouragement inspires them, and they in turn encourage someone else. And on and on, you are bringing light into the darkness. There's a woman who lives at Trafalgar East Apartments just up the street here. At one time, she was coming to our church, but now her disability makes it tough for her to get out. I'm happy to take her to the market or to the dollar store every couple of weeks. She makes meals for the man downstairs who is on oxygen and is never able to leave his apartment. 
She buys things at the dollar store to make little presents for people that she knows and also for people who come to us at the care center. She tells me that she's married to Jesus and she lives like it. I serve her. She serves Gregory downstairs with meals. She serves the people at our care center and God gets the glory. What's more satisfying than that? Let's not become weary doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I had the privilege of being part of the beginning of Christ Church, a, a group attending an adult study wanted to go deeper. So every Friday night, this group would meet in a Bible study and go over the word. And over time, there seemed to be a calling for these like-minded families to launch a new church. That led us to the Mason's Hall on the other side of town. God kept bringing the right people at the right time, and the vision grew. And his vision combined Christ Church with West Bay Covenant Church. And soon we were led to this location, which just happens to be on Main Street in East Greenwich with hundreds of cars going by every day. God has been so faithful. Here's the point. We have a history here at Christ Church. This church has a history of loving God and loving people. We have a history of serving God and serving people. That was our calling from the beginning and continues to be our calling as a compassionate Christian community. I feel God has placed us here as a house of hope. We are in a perfect place to invite people in need to come in and be served here and hopefully be saved here. The Care Center invites anyone in need to come to the church on Friday mornings. We have a staff of volunteers to serve our guests. By giving to the church, a portion of what you give goes to the care center for this ministry. You help provide car repairs for a woman so she could get to job interviews, and you helped with the gas. You helped one woman get through a crisis by providing help with medical bills while she waited for her benefits to kick in in her new job at Walmart. You provided commodities to those in need, such as shampoo, soap, toilet paper, and more. You provide food cards to the local markets. We take names and addresses of those coming to the care center, and one of our volunteers, Janice Healy, writes a birthday card and sends a gift card to show the value of each guest which comes in our door. We have coaches who come alongside to assist helping people in their jobs, to stay in their jobs and stay in their homes. And by the way, we're still looking for coaches if you have time to donate. We have, we have the 211 van, the United Way 211 van come to us once a month. The van helps people find government services available in our state. We have gift cards to bless care center families with help at Thanksgiving and Christmas. You provided those. We had Christmas giveaway just a week, uh, a little over a week ago, and it was a day of joy as people came to us and they were served by this body of Christ. Harry Bonham, certainly an all-star, gave his time to help people sign up for Medicare benefits. Others in the church have donated time, gifts, and encouragement. The Christ Church Furniture Connection began in 2002 and continues to collect and deliver furniture to those in need. Trudy Runget, an all-star to be sure, and takes the calls from the community and helps arrange for the furniture to be delivered. Lindy Buonamano is one of those selfless volunteers who has been with the Furniture Connection from the beginning. We have people from several churches in town who give their time to the Furniture Connection. 
And the families, when they receive the furniture, are oftentimes in tears. I've had the privilege of being on some of the deliveries, and we always pray with people before we leave. So what could be better than to bring furniture and bring God into the households in our neighborhoods that we serve? You are supporting missionaries in Japan, Thailand, South Africa, and all over, all over the world. You are supporting streams of living water in the Middle East. Brother Philip has been to our church several times to share the story of his ministry. He trains leaders from Middle East countries, then sends them back into their native country to bring people the good news. You are part of an effort to send 35,000 Bibles for his trained pastors to take into their native countries. Some of those Bibles were taken to outreaches in the South Sudan where 16,000 people gave their life to Christ last January. This January, more people are bound to come to Christ because more of those Bibles are going into the Nuba Mountains. Can you see the harvest that the Lord is promising? InterVarsity ministers to college students, and we have three leaders that we support. Lauren McDonough, Ryan Laspaluto, and Adam Croft. We have support for those experiencing difficult times. I lead divorce care. Don and Judy Zile host Grief Share. The Faith Writers are a group of women who are all-stars. They are serving and supporting so many in our church and in our community. The Christ Church family is reaching the community and making a difference. I'm the chairman of the Interfaith Council, which involves representatives from all the churches in town, East Greenwich Housing, West Bay Community Action, and the Rhode Island Food Bank. Once a month, we meet to talk about how the churches can partner in serving the needs of our community. We all work together to bring light into the darkness. As we look to the new year, know that you are making a difference simply by being a part of the Christ Church family. The Lord is using you for kingdom work. All this is built on a foundation of prayer, which helps align us with God's will for our church. So let's close in prayer, asking God to lead the way Let's call on God to heal our lives, to heal our land, to heal our world in the coming year. There'll be a time of silence for your response. Dear Lord, thank you for the mission you have given Christ Church to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You are the hope of the world and you are the hope we have beyond this world into eternity with you. Lord, we pray for our world. In the midst of drought and turmoil, many are hungry and thirsty. Lord, we pray not only for food and water, but for living water to flow in the lives of those in need. Lord, we especially pray for the missionaries we support, that you would supply their needs, that you would provide the resources needed to bless those they serve. Lord, we pray for our world. Lord, we pray for our country. In a season of joy, there is also great sadness. We especially pray for the families who lost loved ones in the recent tornadoes in Kentucky and surrounding states. We also pray for those affected by tragedy or violence in our country. Holy Spirit, we ask you to minister to those who are grieving. Cover them with your supernatural care. Lord, we ask you to raise up men and women and children of faith that we might demonstrate your amazing grace and mercy to a nation-seeking purpose. Lord, we pray for our country.
Lord, we pray for our state that our leaders would reflect your values and that those on the fringe would be cared for. We pray for our schools, for our students' safety, for curriculum taught, for values taught, and lessons learned. Lord, we pray for our state. Lord, we pray for our families, for those who don't yet know you. We pray that this will be the year. For those who need your healing hand, Lord, we pray that this will be the year. For those who need to forgive or be forgiven, that this will be the year. Lord, we pray for our families. Lord, we pray for our church, that we would be the body of Christ, serving, saving, celebrating in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, may we be part of your light that shines in the darkness. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.